Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runzog, but enough about me. My guest today recently released Face the River, a remarkable new record that follows in the tradition of great musical storytellers like Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, and Bob Seger. And like the best storytellers, he draws on moments from his own life, both as a way to heal and as a way to connect. Face the River marks the recent passing of his parents, the figures who nurtured him emotionally and musically, whom he refers to as his heroes. The double loss changed him forever, and this new record finds him coming to terms with the grief and the resulting growth. Though born out of this sadness, it's a record that lifts and inspires, a triumphant reminder that we get stronger in all the broken places. I'm so happy to welcome Gavin DeGraw. This album, good lord... I it is just so powerful. I I love it so much. As somebody who's lost a parent at a young age myself, I it it, it hits me in all sorts of other ways. I mean, obviously these songs will touch everybody, but I think for people who who've gone through that particular loss, I, I think it there's a little something extra in there. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for uh, right. for for going to that place and giving us that. Wow, man! Wow, man! Thank thank you, man. I'm sorry you're. Uh... Sorry, you're part of this club we never wanted to join, right? Oh, so uh, yeah. the uh, the the uh, the the, lo- the lost club, right? But uh, man, I, I I appreciate you uh, you um, allowing the music to speak to you, and uh, my condolences. I know I know exactly where you're at, man. Um, but uh, but I think that uh, in general, we just have to uh, we just got to keep going, right? So this 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 is the uh, this is just. This is just life cycle stuff. 
and um, we're all we're all going to have our have our number called one day. Um, and uh, you just got to keep going till then. That's it. And I just think it's so inspiring that at these moments when you know your hardest moments you can make something as beautiful as this album i just think it, it's absolutely stunning the songs wow. are beautiful the stories are beautiful i mean just congratulations it, it's it's such an incredible piece of work well man it means a lot um, thank I, you for that what a, what a compliment thank you i i know this is obviously a very different kind of record for you in a lot of ways as well as being a really personal one and i mean i think it shows off just the full extent of mm -hmm. your talents as a singer and as a songwriter uh Full circle is the phrase that keeps coming up uh, when yeah. you're talking about this record. It was the name of your tour for it, and it comes up a lot when yeah. you're talking about Face the River. I wanted to ask you about full circle, what that what that means to you. Well, um, when I first played my father uh, the first couple songs of the album, uh, he said to me, full circle. <laughs> and I uh, said, what do you mean? He said... Uh, he said was he was saying that it was the way he remembered me, you know, before I ever got signed, uh, before I started, you know, making albums, you know, making these produced uh, these produced records, and that he remembers the music sounding more like more like this when you know when I was out playing live and playing with pickup bands and <laughs> you know and uh, you know sitting in with people and. And, and going through that phase of my my life and, and, and career, trying to just get your name out there, just the live sound. And uh, I think Dave Cobb really captured this um, live sound and enhanced it and just, just made it so much better and kept it authentic. And uh, in fact, I, I feel like he, he reached deeper and forced me to reach deeper um, than I would have arrived at um, without his his influence and his input, um, his taste, um, and so the full circle thing was was yeah initially the the comment my father made and then um, and that in my opinion is because Dave uh, Cobb had had really great taste and really authentic taste in music and loves those. Almost those those nineteen seventies singer songwriter type <laughs> records, uh, you know those singer songwriter records, those those rock records, but that nineteen seventies approach to sound and uh, and performance, and uh, also when we went out and and did our our little uh, tour run that we did for playing the music live, we decided we we're gonna, you know, go back and play a bunch of small clubs, and that that was really about getting back to again that initial feeling of of performing live in small venues that weren't necessarily the places that just had developed acts playing at them so it was important to me to go back in particular to play a place called the bitter end here in new york city um because the bitter end was the first place that ever gave me a gig in new york city you know before i ever got signed and they were always good to me, you know, and, and um, I wanted to go back there and particularly reward those those smaller venues that got really badly hurt during COVID yeah. that really could use the business, you know, um, and and have keep those relationships going because you know loyalty is a big deal, and you know you you never forget who your friends are. Those are people who had your back when nobody you know gave a damn about you. 
and uh, you know, the Bitter End is just one of those great places. The Bitter End, the Red Lion, um, those places on Bleecker, and I want to keep those. And yeah, and just keep those places in Greenwich Village alive that have always been a staple for live musicians like myself. There's there's thousands and thousands of us, and and, and those those places are a home for for people like like me. There's there's great talent out there that I always admired that maybe some of them don't, you know don't have a record deal or didn't get a record deal or didn't didn't get lucky here and there, um, but there's still great talent. And those are the houses that embrace that talent. And I want to keep those alive. Oh, God bless you. I've spent a lot of happy nights in, in both those places. You mentioned the Red Line, the Bitter End. Great places, right? That, yeah. Exactly. Man, absolutely. Thank oh. you. I mean, you mentioned the sounds on this record. I mean, it just, it sounds, it's so unique and classic. I mean, one of my favorite tracks is Chasing Wind, which to me, it's got a little bit about, of, of like the band doing their Muscle Shoals sound, like going down the Fame Studios. It's so great. I mean, I love just the classic sounds on this record. Wow, man. That, that's a huge compliment. Actually, uh, I had the bulk of Chasing Wind finished and I wasn't sure how to start it. And, um, I thought what might be a cool deviation from the the kind of the where the the way the song sits, you know that brink right? The way the verse comes in, I thought a nice kind of push against that would be that little intro. Ding 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. And I was funny you mentioned the band. I was thinking about, uh, I was channeling Cripple Creek <laughs> when I, no when way. I did the, uh, yeah, or that's Garth exactly like what the... I was, exactly. I was exactly channeling Cripple Creek, thinking something along the lines of Cripple Creek would be a good lead in to, uh, to, uh, Chase and Wynn. And it's, it's funny you mentioned it because it's exactly what I was thinking about. Killer. Yeah, you get it. You totally get it. You re recorded this, or most of it, or if not all of it, in uh, RCA Studio A, yeah. which is, I mean, that's it's the house that Chet Atkins built. Right. It's, it's got everybody, Leon Russell, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, Waylon Jennings. What was it like working in there? I mean, just the energy in that space must have been off the charts. With Dave Cobb Le control. Legendary. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, legendary room. And I felt like, I feel like Dave knew every nook and cranny of that room. Like he knew every sonic characteristic of that room, you know, and had all the gear to suit each space when required. And, um, yeah, you could feel the ghosts, you know, the presence <laughs> of, uh, of the many years of acquired mojo that occurred in the room of live bands playing together and, and recording together. And um, it just felt right. And, you know, that place was built back when, like the labels were dumping money into creating spaces like that, <laughs> into creating great sounding room. I mean, you could record an orchestra in that place, yeah. you know? So, you know, being able to go into a comfortable place like that, that sounded good everywhere, and had enough space in it that we could separate, but be together and play together and make eye contact, you know, and, and read, read each other and be like, 
you know, like, Hey, I got, I got this part right here. And, you know, you heard somebody go ahead and you're looking, I'm going, yeah, yeah. Okay. Me right here, you know? And, um, you had those great, um, communicative moments because you were, you're able to have sight lines and be within the acoustic parameter of what's coming out of the instrument, you know, that's, that that's there too. You know, it's not just headsets. You're like, Ooh, it's right there. I hear it. I feel it. I feel it. In the, I feel it coming through my heel, you know, and there's a great sensation when, when you get to, uh, when you get to play like that and then you just keep the best takes and Dave had a really great sensibility of, you know, casting the right players and, and, and just a great sensitivity to which takes were the best. And, you know, about like, yo man, this is cool. That's cool. But those two other songs you played me, they're too close to these two other songs here. What else do you have? Let's, go through your catalog of stuff and see what else you have that is different than what we already cut so that the album has real variety sonically. And by him doing that, it also forced me to finish up songs I hadn't finished that. And by finishing them during that time frame, made the lyrics more present to my life in that moment as well, you know? by him saying, Hey, is that done? Is that, that idea I like, is it finished? No, it's not finished. When can you have it done? I could have it done in an hour from now. I could have it done tomorrow. Cool. Finish it up, man. Let's hear where you're at. Come in and play it. And, uh, and then we cut. And, um, I just feel like it created a really, um, present approach to the album feeling cohesive in some ways. And at the same time, allowed the album to be, varied stylistically because his taste is excellent and 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 he's got eclectic taste but he was also looking for uh helping me find uh, uh a sound that 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 would allow it to feel like a complete work a complete album you know in a in a you know in a culture that isn't really necessarily <laughs> embracing full albums anymore right but i think that's part of one of that's part of Dave's strong suit is he's such a music purist. He has such good taste. And he also knows that, you know, we're making music for an audience that's also grown up with me. They're not just kids anymore, right? Now they're, you know, now they're parents. Now they have kids. And we're, we're in these different stages of our lives now than when they first may have heard uh, a song of mine, you know, like on your first hit back in maybe 2003 or four, you know, life, life change, the world change and your music can change to reflect where you're at in your life now. Right. Um, and, and he really allowed me to, he allowed me and, and, helped me get to a place where I could embrace those changes and, um, and, and speak my, my mind and my mind, my current mindset. And, and it was very, really, really, uh, thoughtful and, and, uh, and he was sensitive about it, which was cool. And he wasn't afraid to challenge me, which is good. <laughs> you know, it's always good to be around people who, who, who can challenge you, you know, and, 
you know, and it's, it's better for your ego to be with people who <laughs> can challenge you and, you know, and tell you that you're wrong and for you to go, you got me, <laughs> you know, they know your tricks. Right they know you're what you're right, doing. You know? Yeah. They, that's exactly right, man. And uh, I think it was all really a good, strong process, uh, you know, and uh, at this point in my life, well, I don't want to make children's music or music that's necessarily marketed to kids. You know, the kids can grow up and, you know, and become adults and, and listen to music that speaks to someone who's actually, you know, lived. Um, you know, uh, there's always music out there for children. That's great. But, uh, you know, this is this is music for people who've lived. Hmm. That's a beautiful way to put it. I mean, some of these songs, I, I, they sound like they could be 50 years old. And I mean, that is the highest compliment. I mean, you know, Destiny sounds like something that could have been on Talking Book or, you know, it's oh. a descendant of I oh. Shall Be Released or something. It's, I mean, it's incredible wow, just the, the quality of these songs. And well, the, man, thank you for that. Thank the things that, that. that blow me away, I mean, obviously these songs are so personal and there's so much bravery mm. in that. I mean, the things that blows me away about these songs, like the best story songs, like the Billy Joels mm. and the Springsteens and the Bob Seegers, is that they're so specific and so uniquely personal to you, yet they hit mm. me and so many others in such a personal way. I think that's wow. such a delicate line to hit. How? Thank you. Was there ever a fear of being this this open and this vulnerable when you were working on this? I mean, it's, it's funny you say it for a couple of reasons. One is, there's a great irony in it and that I was telling a buddy of mine the other day, I said, uh, the irony of all this is that I, I wrote the song. So, so I wouldn't have to talk about it because I <laughs> couldn't talk about it, you know? And, um, I, I feel like the songwriting was a way to say the things I wasn't able to say, uh, in conversation. And, um, so the therapy for me was writing songs, um, which is often therapy for me. And j just in life, it's always been therapy for me. Um, and so it, it, that's one of the great ironies of it is, is that the songwriting took place because I wasn't having an easy time talking about how I felt. Uh, I still don't have an easy time talking about how I feel um, because uh Part of it's because your emotions are, it's such a crazy range of emotions, uh, seemingly by the, you know, by the moment, you know, uh, it's just so much stuff that life is so, you know, some of it's just, oh man, it's a, oh man, this hurts me right now. I miss them. You know, I miss these people. I miss my parents. And then there's the, oh, yeah, I remember my dad did this and you're laughing about it and nobody gets the joke, but you do. You know, that, you know, someone says something at dinner and you make a face and you think to yourself, well, that's weird. I just made the face my dad used to make. <laughs> I've never made that before. You know, it happened to me yesterday. I made a face at dinner and I thought, oh, my God, I just made the face my dad used to make. I've never felt the desire to do that. I always thought it was weird when he did that particular face. And I just I know I just made that face, <laughs> you know. You I know do. what I mean, don't you? I do. I'm I'm looking back at my face in Zoom right now, actually, and having a similar moment, <laughs> seeing the, right? seeing somebody else's face coming back at me. So I totally hear you. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. And um, and it's one of those things, and and, and some of those things are 
It's just they make their way into your songs. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. One of the other things that happened with the making of the album was, you know, the, our, my initial meeting with Dave, um, you know, he took a lunch meeting with me. He's like, I really like what you did. Um, with that Paul McCartney cover, maybe I'm amazed because I, I love the cover of that song. I think it's just a perfect song. And and I think maybe that, that could have been why he took the project. You know, maybe he saw the live thing and and thought, okay, cool, this guy's all right, you know. Um and we talked about that and that kind of music, that kind of song, that kind of records. Hmm. And then we talked about other records that we loved. And, you know, old, you know, the stack stuff, you know, the the classic R and B stuff, the great old soul stuff, you know, Duck Dunn and Steve Cropper, boom. Um, so that kind of stuff, and then classic country records and great old songwriter records, and you know, I'm a big Otis Redding, Sam Cooke fan. You know, I'm a big you know George Jones fan. Uh, you know, I, I like those 
kinds of singers, imperfect singers, because that's where the feel, the feeling is there, you know, um, and imperfect records. And he asked me, what do you want to do? I said, well, it's the world is, you know, I said, the world's all fucked up, man. It was right at the height of COVID. I said, the world's fucked up. My life is fucked up. Uh, I'm fucked up. Things are all fucked up everywhere around me. And I, I have a lot to say. And, you know, I've written a bunch of songs and I want to write this record alone. I wrote my first few records alone, but I really have a lot to say. I feel like I need to write this one alone. I feel like I need to get this out of me. And I, I just feel like it's, it's all so personal. I have to do it that way. But I, I feel like you're the greatest producer in the world specifically for this kind of record. And he was like, fuck yeah, man, let's do it. And, and, and we went in the room and he, he really, he really permitted me to stretch beyond what I would have, you know, like, like the greatest production experience. So sensitive, so sensitive to what I was doing. And, um, but not at all a yes man about it. He really wanted me to reach, man. And it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. Um, and he, you know, man, I remember I, I was writing the song, um, Face the River. And, um, I wasn't finished yet. So he said, yeah, man, let me know when you're done. I said, okay. And I finally finished it. I walked into the, into the room. I said, hey, man, um, I'm done. He's like, finished? I was like, yeah, I'm done now. I'm, I'm, it's done. All right, man, cool. Come on, let's go. Play it for us, man. Play it for us. I said, okay. We walked out to the piano. And I played him, you know, I am tired of the waiting. Got to the end of the song. And he goes, wow, man. You were like, it's like a masterpiece. I said, what? He goes, you wrote a masterpiece. Man. You wrote a masterpiece. I was like, I did. He was like, yeah, man. Masterpiece. Let's cut it. Let's cut it. You know, and it was just like immediately, you know, he wanted to cut it immediately, which is one of the things I love. Like as soon as he heard it, as soon as he felt it, and it was in the moment he wanted to cut it. It wasn't, let's make a plan, let's uh, blah, 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 let's set a click, let's find a, there was none of that bullshit, you know? One of the first things that happened in the studio, I think it was on Johnny's song, Johnny's song was the first song, Freedom, first song that we, we cut. And I'm sitting at the piano, and I went, it goes like this, goes like this, and before we did anything, I said, so, uh, do you want to set a click? And he was like, nah, nah, let's play. And I said, my man, I said, my man, exactly. I knew it was the right guy, especially when he said no click. Because I don't want to play to a click. Music is supposed to move, man. It's supposed to be varied. All those great records we love, you know, 
they don't land on the exact same <laughs> BPM. <laughs> they move. You know? That's the all that BPM stuff being set right there, that's not for the music to be better. That's for the editing to be easier. <laughs> you yeah. know? That's got nothing to do with music. And so we got to really we got to play music, man. And I felt like I had been freed because musically we got to go outside the fence and that's what made it cool. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Is there a supernatural element that goes into making music as far as you're concerned? I, I honestly think that there's uh, things that we can't control. And you may have your craft and that's very special, right? We all know that there's a there's a almost like a thing that has nothing to do with you that you channel sometimes, you get lucky, you have a piece of an idea, like, oh, I didn't do that, it just kind of came to me. And then there's the craft element of it, which is the carpenter part of it, which is creating the right structure around the song, and working through a line here and there and whatnot. But then there's the other thing. And the other really special thing is you go and you get in a room and you play it. And once you play it, particularly when you play it together, it was, uh, it was, uh, I think it was Joel Walsh talking about where the mojo is, 
saying it's not one guy playing that makes the mojo. You know, the way a lot of albums are made now, a lot of songs are cut now. It's one guy with his laptop programming his drums. And then he's programming the bass line and then the guitar parts and the he's singing and then he's doing the synth section and then he's auto-tuning everything. It's all on that BPM metronome grid. And you're looking at the music instead of hearing it, right? It's going click, click, so click. And you're staring at music. That's it. And there are people are lining things up to hit the line where the beat is like, oh, there it is. It's lined up the drums exactly on this line. Like, that's not where the beat is. That's where the BPM click is. That's not the groove. That's not the beat. And the mojo is sort of like, when you got all the guys playing actually together, a guitar player, a bass player, a drummer, a piano player, a singer, everybody's playing together a song. Okay, let's say that the beat, the what you think is about the about the BPM in that moment is here. Well, I'm going to hit it a little bit here, and the other guy is going to hit. Oh, I hit it here. Another guy's hitting it a little bit right here. And someone else is hitting it a little bit right here. And the other guy's sitting it a little bit over here. And somewhere in there is the mojo, the part that none of us are playing. The part that only exists while all of us are playing, but none of us played it. Right? So it's the thing that none of us can create alone that can only be created as a whole. That's where the mojo lives, right? And it's drugs. You play. <laughs> Till you get that moment where you go, oh, there it was. There it was. It was right there. Bang. And you'll play all night hoping to feel that again. And you might not get it back all night. But you go back tomorrow because you know that there was one special moment, one high while you were playing that you went, oh, damn. And it could have only lasted for a few seconds or a second. But you locked. And it's just like, right? And you, you could play all week and not have a moment like that again. But you know that there's mojo, but there was that one moment within it where you were like, ooh, right? It's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. That's maybe the best description of the joy of playing together in mojo that I think I've, I've ever heard. That's beautiful. When did you first experience the mojo? Was it? I know you played a lot of hoot nannies upstate growing up with with family and friends. Was that something that was kind of part of your upbringing, all playing together like that? You know, it's funny is that I knew the joy of it from watching people just play, and it wasn't because they were hitting it. It wasn't because, like, you know, my granddad could pluck a little bit or play the uh, accordion a little bit, or the harmonica a little bit, or my dad played some and sang real great. Everybody played a little bit. It wasn't like they were hitting it. Like we were experiencing the whoa moments. At that time in my life, we were just experiencing the joy of music. And then in my teen years, playing more, hanging out, playing with my brother, 
playing with my dad, going out playing ballrooms on school nights, you know, as, as a teenager, you know, all the other kids are, you know, studying for tests and you're <laughs> on a Tuesday night, you're out, you know, at the bar across from the police station with dad, you know, and your brother playing, you know, <laughs> playing Tom Petty songs, uh, you know, though you're having moments right there once in a while, like, oh, that feels good. We're finally getting the song together. You're in that developmental stage of being a musician. And then once in a while you lock. But having a brother and having a dad, there's music in the house. You could lock more often, right? You're playing more often. So you may have more of those moments, you know, where you're, or you just listen to each other play and like, ooh, that was really, really good. You know, I want to feel like that when I play or I want to be able to make it sound that good, you know. And, uh, man, it's just, ugh, man, there's really nothing like the joy. There's nothing like the joy of playing music. It's the, it's the ultimate therapy, in my opinion. And it's a real display of what somebody's got right in here. And, you yeah. know, um, I, I talk about I may talk about it a lot, like it's something more than it is. But I, but but as much as I could describe it to you, it's much more than that. Music is a thing that you cannot see or touch, but you could feel it. Hmm. It's magic. I mean, think about the memories associated with the song. If you hear some songs, you it, it, some songs it will transport you to the day you heard it. It's time travel. Yeah. You know, do you hear the song and you go, wow, I remember the first time I ever heard that song. Wow. I just went there. Bang in my head. You know, when I hear the song, Hey, Good Looking, I'm three years old at my dad's parents' house. Because I remember it being played right there, right there. I remember the room I remember being in when I heard it. I thought it was the greatest song in the world. Because it was, right? So it just always spoke to me in that in that way. And I think if you were to take away music, you'd realize what a tremendously culturally deficient society we'd be without song, without those sounds. We hear music so often that we forget that our society and most cultures, they're surrounded by music all of the time they're surrounded by it so much so that they think it's just part of the air hmm. almost every restaurant you walk into has music playing in it every store you know and you can change the way that place feels to you completely yeah by changing the station right so it's a different restaurant with Frank Sinatra playing in it than it is with, you know, BB King, Metallica playing with Metallica, yeah, or BB King. Yeah, changes the whole thing. It's very potent. We even base our friendships. So many of us based on the music that our friend listens to. We find friends through it. You know, we think, you know, what you listen to that, and you we probably have a beer together. Sorry, I'm talking about it so excitedly, but it's really how I view it. 
Oh, I, I, I a thousand percent agree. I mean, you look at these, you know, they, they find remnants of, of early, early, early cultures, the earliest civilizations we know, and they still find remnants of early instruments. At a time when we're still struggling to learn how to survive and to eat, you have this, you know, traces of music. So clearly this was something that was a an important priority at a base primal level. I, I completely agree. And, and that's the mystery of music to me is that we can't, fully articulate or know why it just is it, it just is it just hits us right absolutely correct man it's it's uh it's deep it's therapy and it's it's necessary necessary and that's a, that's what uh it's almost crazy to think that it is that necessary yeah but uh you know once we put it into context like that we realize wow this this is this is crazy you know, people used to tote their little guitars off to war. Yeah, yeah. They needed it, and they knew yeah. their friends needed it. Well, Gavin, I got to say, I, I started this call feeling a little little low energy. I'm, I'm coming out of COVID right now, talking to you about music and your excitement. And your, I, I, I feel transformed, and I, I, I really want to... Hopefully, people that hear this conversation, and most importantly, people who hear your record, feel the same way. I, it has been such a joy talking to you. Thank you so much, so much for your time today, and most importantly, thank you for your music. It's been such an honor. Thank you, yeah, Jordan. Honors my man. Thank, thank you, brother. I can tell, man. You're just, uh, you're just like me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.